In the past year, Kia America has experienced incredible momentum with a growing portfolio of innovative and award-winning vehicles. Moving forward, Kia is expanding to also usher in a new age of mobility for all. With the strength of a new logo, purpose, and business model, Kia is transforming itself into a symbol of innovation and sustainability. Kia is focused on becoming a leader in mobility and is charging ahead with electrification across their lineup, including the all-electric 2022 EV6, with estimated range of 310 miles depending on trim level and state-of-the-art 800V fast charge capability. But one thing will never change. Kia will continue to provide customers with world-class quality, design, and innovative technology at a great value. Inspiration is contagious. Just like Asian Hustle Network and its amazing network of entrepreneurs who have inspired many by committing to their purposes, Kia will do the same with vehicles inspired by world-class innovation. Kia, movement that inspires. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Joe Nguyen. Senator Joe Nguyen was born in White Center, raised in Burien, and currently lives in West Seattle. His experiences growing up in an immigrant community as the son of Vietnamese refugees and being raised by a single mother informs much of his service today. Since being elected, Senator Nguyen has used his time in office to advocate for those who have been historically underrepresented and to push for progressive legislation that provides services to those in need. He prioritizes criminal justice reform, environmental health, and progressive tax reform. Senator Nguyen is the vice chair of the Senate Human Services, Reentry and Rehabilitation Committee, and a member of the Transportation Committee, the Rules Committee, and the Environment, Energy, and Technology Committee. Senator Nguyen grew up in White Center and lives in West Seattle with his wife, Tally, a former special education teacher in the Highline Public School District, and their three young children. Senator, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Welcome to the Asian House Network podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. We're excited to have you on. So Joe, can you tell us more about yourself? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, here. So the reason why I'm on is I'm a I'm the state senator from Washington in the Seattle area. I'm the first Vietnamese state senator in the history of Washington State. And what's interesting is that despite representing a fairly diverse community, I'm also the first person of color to ever represent the legislature uh, in my area. So I uh, grew up in a lower income part of town called White Center. And the reason why we got there was because my family fled Vietnam during the war. So this story might be similar to some of the folks who are listening right now, but my father fought in the Vietnam War. Um, And what's interesting is if you look at what's happening in Afghanistan right now, a lot of the stories that they told me growing up, I would imagine is very similar to the evacuation that we're seeing. So my heart goes out to the people in Afghanistan, but he fought in the war, was evacuated with the U.S. military. Uh, And the interesting thing is that my mom, because at that time you didn't have the internet, you didn't have a cell phone, you couldn't text message. By the time that she found out what was happening, he had already fled. So for three years, she didn't know if he was alive or dead. And uh, finally, after sending messages from Washington state to Japan, Japan to their village in Vietnam, uh, she hopped on a boat and fled like so many of us, right? So 
they they certainly struggled uh, while they were there. They were persecuted while they were there, and that's why they had to flee. And eventually, making their way to public housing in White Center, which is where I was born. And fast forward a little bit, you know, my family was doing okay, and then my father got into a car accident. So he was working on a van for the church and got into a car accident, left him quadriplegic. So growing up, it was incredibly tough, financially, mentally, emotionally. And that was kind of the backdrop in which I existed. And a lot of people, when you're from a marginalized community, especially something like that happening, not often are you told that you can be whatever you want to be, right? Like it's, you're lucky to, to get a job. You're lucky to be able to go to college. So a lot of my upbringing was really trying to fight back against that narrative of being told that you wouldn't really amount to much because of how desperate the situation was of us growing up. But despite that, I was class president in high school, student body president in college. My background is actually in finance economics. I worked for UBS for a while. Now I work in tech at Microsoft and then decided to run for office because one of the reasons why I first got involved was I really just wanted to help people, right? So in my family's greatest times of need, this community really showed up for us. And I'll give you an example. Uh, My father was in a wheelchair. My brother and I would have to carry him up and down the front steps of our house in order for him to get to his appointments. And uh, a neighbor drove by one day and said, hey, why don't you guys have a ramp instead of carrying up and down? And the honest answer was we couldn't afford it. So a week later, they came by, built a ramp for us, and uh, really gave us the opportunity to then be able to get our dad to a medical appointments. So that was the backdrop in which I was grown, uh, which, in which I was raised, right? Like being allowed to be here because of the resources and support after the war, the community really coming to help us and wanting to be a part of that change as well. And when I first got involved in politics it was only about six years ago or so, there was a young man named Tommy Lay, Vietnamese man, uh, who was shot by law enforcement down in Biren, which is South King County. And I really want to understand why that happened and how do you fix this? So I got more involved in law enforcement oversight. I had been involved with housing and affordability and homelessness. And the more that I met with legislators and officials, the more I realized that I'm not sure if they cared about our communities as much as we did, you know, and I'm saying that as in a nice way. And when the opportunity arose for me to run for office, I jumped at the opportunity to do it. And what's interesting is that I was told that since I wasn't from the political establishment, I wouldn't have enough support. I wouldn't be able to raise enough money. Therefore, I wouldn't be able to win. Yet, despite running in a race against 10 other people, I won in a landslide. So really what that showed me was that not only should we be here, we should have been here the entire time. So that's kind of how I got into politics. That's how I'm now the first Vietnamese state senator in Washington state. And in a very short period of time, we've made quite the splash. And now I serve in leadership as well. So that's kind of my background. And thank you for having me on on the show. Of course. I mean, that is quite extensive introduction and and it covers a lot, right? I think a lot of us in sort of, especially first generation Vietnamese American, we can definitely relate to your story a lot because that is basically our reality. Yeah. You know, when we first came to the States, it's like, you're escaping war. Like no one really believes you can do anything. Your first mentality growing up, especially as first generation immigrants, is like we have to survive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And everything everything we've done so far, especially everything that you've done so far, it's to really really highlights the American opportunity that that we that we have in order to be anything, right? So backtrack a little bit more. I mean you had a very successful career in finance, right? You, you were managing like 150 million portfolio. And yeah. as you mentioned, Tommy Lay, and you were trying to figure out, you know, how to be more involved in politics. Have you ever considered yourself like an activist growing up? And 
have you considered yourself to be like someone that's very vocal for the community or was it something that you sort of developed over time and overnight where it's like okay enough is enough why is there like a model minority myth against our community where it's like why are we always so quiet why are we keeping our head down have you ever faced those questions and how did you overcome that yeah no and to your point you actually said it earlier is that oftentimes when communities are just trying to survive they're told to keep their heads down don't rock the boat don't get involved and you know out of the kindness of her heart my mom actually when i first told her i was going to run for a student body president or even class president in high school she said hey don't do that because you should just be focused on your homework don't get involved in politics because for them politics was literally life and death that was kind of the perspective that they came in so we are some of the first generations where we don't see ourselves as just guests in America, we are in fact Americans and we deserve every opportunity that everybody has as well. And I think the modern minority myth is so detrimental because uh, there are a lot of people who are suffering that don't quite get help or they themselves don't realize that they could get help or should get help uh, because of that mentality as well. So I've always been pretty vocal, I'm a middle child in my family, right? So when you're growing up as an Asian person, you're told you can be three things, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. So my sister's uh, an engineer, my brother's a doctor, I was supposed to be the lawyer. So I'm actually the black sheep of the family. I went into politics. And one of the reasons why I did that was just because, you know, I, I wanted to buck that trend a little bit, but also I wasn't quite happy doing the things that I was doing before, where if your pursuit is simply selfish reasons, not in a bad way, but like if you're just focused on kind of like, how do I financially set myself up for the future versus serving the community? I didn't really see myself being fulfilled in that respect. And that's kind of why I got involved in the first place. That and also, you know, I think maybe because I'm a middle child, maybe because from the background that we grew up in, whenever you're told that you can't do something, I'm always get that chip on my shoulder and it makes me want to do it even more. And what's funny is that, you know, I was told that in high school, told that in college, being told that now in the legislature and then proving people wrong. And I think the reason why that's so important is because I'm not the only one that's being told that stuff, right? People in our communities are being told that. So for me, great leaders do more than just good things. They empower other people as well. So I think the reason why I've gotten more vocal in my um, activism is because I see this as a way to empower other people who should be involved, who aren't because they weren't given that opportunity. So I think it wasn't necessarily overnight, uh, but it also uh, was definitely over time in the sense that, you know, after being told for so long, you can't do something, you have to push back a little bit because our communities need us to do it. Definitely appreciate you sharing those perspectives. I'm curious for you as a person, right? Because funny enough, I'm also the middle child. And then my sister is a doctor. My brother is an engineer. Funny enough, I'm also supposed to be the lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's that's super funny. But I ended up being a couple of things in college. I was I was a computer science major. I was pre-law and also pre-med. So I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I decided to do almost everything. So I can definitely relate on your side. But the thing that really resonated with me the most is, you know, your community is also telling you like, like no and keeping your head down. How have you developed an internal voice to sort of internalization of these values that other push on you and sort of create your own voice where it's like, hi, like my name is Joe. I can do this. You know, like how, yeah. how do you, how do you develop those mechanisms? Like, do you like practice affirmation? Do you, like writing a journal, like how do you create this internal system that keeps you moving every day? Yeah, so that's so funny that you're saying that you were pre-law and also computer science because I was the exact same thing. And I think, you know, for a long time, I didn't really push back very much. It was more, 
you see other people being successful in spaces and you wonder why certain people are told they should do something while other people aren't. And for me, I never, you know, develop a disdain for the individual that was being told that they could do whatever they wanted more so is that why not me? Why not now? And I think a lot of it was also the people that I was around or that I chose to surround myself with were also very successful, whether it was academically or in their careers as well. And I think that was probably one of the bigger things is, you know, nobody can do this alone. And and I'll, and I'll point that out. And the important thing for me to be able to get into this space was there are definitely key individuals in my life that saw something in me that maybe even I didn't see it in myself. So as people are thinking about, well, how do I get to that next level? How do I, you know, be an entrepreneur, go into politics or do these things? Sometimes you have to realize that it is not just you that needs to be successful as the people around you as well. And that's really what I saw. I can, I can name off the individuals who said, hey, look, you should probably think about going into politics. Like I would do things, say, for instance, I would download data about something in the county where I'm from. And then I would present it to the city council. I would present it to the county council, present it to all these different folks. And, they're, and they would say, oh, wow, that's impressive. Nobody's ever done that before, right? So you need to find kind of your hype team as well in terms of people that can also help empower you. Because if it was just you alone, it becomes very, very tough. I think it becomes easier when you have a team of folks with you. But at the same time, you do have to be a little bit cocky and confident. There's a fine line between cocky and confident. And sometimes I fall on the wrong side, but that is important because- it is tough when you're trying to push back against an institution. Yeah, I call that affirmation. It's not. <laughs> is that what is that? It's affirmation. <laughs> I call it affirmation. It's like telling yourself you can do it because at the end of the day, like you are your biggest supporter, right? And you believe and making a change. And that really starts with you. If you don't believe it, any anything else that someone tells you, it just sounds like just, it just doesn't matter because it just sounds like naysay. You know, where it's yeah. like if you don't believe yourself and you're just like, what do you people keep telling me? Like, I should do this, I have potential. I don't think I have potential, right? When you start thinking that way, you're not going to accept the support. Another really important thing that you really brought to my attention is having a sort of support committee plus community behind you. It's like, it's, if you want to go far, like you need to have a team, you need to have your, your tribe with you. But if you want to go fast, you go by yourself, but you don't go as far. And the, the burnout rate is extremely high. You know, like this, I can even think of examples like running Asian Hustle Network without my team, it's like, I don't think that we could have done any of the things that we want to do. You know, yeah, and the, it's, it's so easy to burn out too. Right? Like it, it blew up real fast. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. So just, you know, bring it back into politics. Like, what was your first time running light? And what was the process behind that? Because I understand yeah. that across like different counties, different states, it's very different from each other. And let's focus on particularly like Washington and Seattle area where you're from. What was the running process like? And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like you won in the landslide. So that doesn't tell us the full story yeah. of the how, hard team, how hard it was, you know, yeah. like you, I think, you, yeah, I think we want to understand like what was the full process like and, and being the first Vietnamese American in that position, like yeah. what, is, what does that entail for you to carry so much ex- expectation from the community? Yeah, no, that that's a really good question. One of the first things that I was talking to a mentor about running for office, the, she's a sitting council member right now. And she said, don't mess this up. I mean, she used different language. She said, basically, don't mess this up. Because when you're the first person to do something, you are the only perspective that people will have of you and your community, right? So if I were to run and I did a bad job and I lost, the next Vietnamese person that ran for office, they'd say, oh, well, Joe ran and he couldn't do it. So why would this person be to do it? 
right? But if you're able to run and you win, oh, wow, there's a whole community of untapped potential that's out there that we should be supporting that we hadn't been doing in the past. So that was the burden of being able to run. So you have to work hard. And in this case, right, like the old paradigm of how you run for office was raise enough money, get enough endorsements, and you win. Nobody really talked about getting enough votes. It was all about influencing power. And I fundamentally thought that that was wrong because the people who are most impacted by policies were frustrated. And I felt that because I was part of that community as well. So when I ran for office, I wanted to talk to as many people as possible and get ourselves out there. Then like my language and the way that I present myself is very different than kind of the typical politician. I'm very authentic in my language and my tone. And I think that resonated with people is because we wanted to just get the narrative out that we can do better. That in this moment, it requires urgency. Somebody who's going to fight for our communities to actually get these things done. Ran against 10 people. Two people were, I would say, part of the political establishment. One person was the anointed one. That's who everybody thought was going to win had all the endorsements, had all the support, had everything, had all the money. But at the same time, they weren't used to running against somebody like us. When you're an immigrant, when you're a person of color growing up the way that I did, you're used to working twice as hard for half as much. So we just out campaigned. We door knocked more people, talked to more organizations, met with any groups that would be willing to meet with us. And then also, you know, I think we presented a narrative that was very different than a typical political establishment candidate would. And then was able to then win by 17% in the general. And in fact, we actually won the primary. Out of 10 people, we got number one in the primary. And what that said to me was that we need to rethink how we do things and we need to engage people who are impacted by policies because historically we haven't. We've been talking really to people who donate to campaigns, right? And that's not the majority of people. And that oftentimes leads to bad policies. So that was eye-opening for me in the sense that I ran for office just thinking that we could do a better job. And that we can do a better way of, uh, there's a better way to connect people. And we ended up being right. And we won by a landslide. And that's actually why I'm running right now for King County Executive in this area. So the King County Executive oversees the entire county. So you're talking $12 billion budgets, 14,000 people, 60 different agencies. So many of the things that are impacting my communities right now, whether it's homelessness, affordability, housing, law enforcement relations, transit, uh, even climate change, that all happens at the county. And wanting to be able to influence that. So running against somebody that has outspent me by over a million dollars, who's been in office for 25 years, and we're number two, we came in in a very strong second place in a very short period of time shows me that there's an appetite for change. So fundamentally, you know, running for office because we believe that we can do things better, but also it requires a little bit of audacity, at least from somebody like myself running for office, being told that you weren't supposed to be there. And now you're challenging everybody's assumptions. I love that. I mean, it's all about challenging status quo and, and you guys really hustle, you know, the falls in the theme with Asian hustle network, you know, we're all about yeah. hustling for our dreams and, yeah. you know, going the extra mile re- and having the audacity to really reinvent the process. is like super, super important. I think a lot of us, it's easy for us to be really content with how things are. And we just kind of just go through our lives day by day. We don't really question anything. No, but when you take a step back and be very genuine about it and really try to understand your community, that's when you unlock a different type of potential. And, you know, being in office for 25 years, it's a really long time. And long time. You have, sometimes you just have to take a step back and sort of understand like, okay, what is, what is the modern day generation want? What does it need? You know, so that's, that's really good. Congratulations on, on that story and all your successes. And particularly, you know, a lot of us in Asian Hustle Network, are working to sort of reinvent ourselves, right? A lot of us still work in our nine to five jobs, really set in our careers. 
when we sort of look at it, look at our, our career path, I'm like, oh, wow, I went, I've been in my career for about 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Like, maybe this, this, this is a career that I'm, I'm going to finish out the rest of my life on. And a lot of people with that mentality never pursue their side hustles and their passion, right? And I know that you worked as you know, a finance person for a set amount of years. How are you able to, to sort of leave? You know, and be like, man, essentially I have to start over again. And that's scary yeah. for a lot of people, you know, yeah. and a lot of people I feel like are in their thirties or early forties and probably late fifties and be like, okay, I'm too set in my career. It's, I don't want to start over. How are you able to leave everything and, and essentially redo everything? That's, that's a big move. Yeah. Well, just to be clear, the legislature is my part, my side hustle. So in Washington state, the legislature is part-time. So having left finance, I now work in technology and I work at Microsoft right now. So because our legislature is part-time, I work full-time at Microsoft and I'm also a state senator. I also have three kids and I'm also running for office. How well. do you do it? How do you so do it? It's that hustle, right? <laughs> like you say, but it, it, it's one of those things where, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is necessarily going to translate for everybody, but my dad was 43 when he got into his car accident that basically left him quadriplegic. So for me, I feel like I'm playing with house money at this point, right? Like the, the background in which I was raised, the opportunities that I did and did not have, I feel like me being successful is a gift and I'm going to treat every single day as if it, and like, that sounds cliche, but seriously, like, I, I don't think like, I don't think like I have 10, 20 years to be able to play in the political space. I want to do as much as I can as fast as possible, because you never know what could happen. That was the dynamics in which my family was raised in Vietnam. That's the dynamics in which I was raised here. And I want to make sure that in a short period of time, can we get as much done as possible? And I think that urgency is just born from that lived experience that a lot of us have right now is that, yeah, we've kind of done things because we have to, we had to play it safe because we came from a, a situation of scarcity. So with that dynamic, what can I do right now to get it done? The hard part is that you do need to balance the mental health. Cause I know that that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people that are kind of in this space, whether they're entrepreneurs or in the political space. But really that's the motivator for me is that how can I leave a better world for my kids? And how can I get as much done as fast as possible with the, the resources that I have? And again, like, like I said before, being told that you can't do something and then all of a sudden now you're literally one of the top ranking officials in all of Washington state passing policies that impact hundreds of, or millions of people. I'm like, okay, well, if I can get here, what else can I do, right? Like. What have what I've been told? What have I been told for so long that I couldn't do that? Really, I can, and it's because somebody else is too scared for me to be in that spot because it gives up their power. So at this point, I'm more just like, you know, frustrated, and I'm more kind of uh, doing things in order to ensure that other people get an opportunity as well. So that's kind of my drive: is how do we get more good people in the right places? Because that's how we transform systems. I love that. That's where we have a lot in common. You know, I, I really, everything you said is like very reminiscent, including our college majors and our careers sounds really similar as well. The only difference is like I'm doing Asian House Network full-time right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really appreciate that story and that drive and really creating a better environment for the world. You know, something I always think about over and over is like, what kind of legacy do we want to bring to the future generation? Because it's really easy for us to be very pessimistic about what's going on in the world and what's going on with politics and our surroundings. But I think listening to you gives me a lot of hope for the future and, and what's what's to come too. So the other topic I really want to talk more about is representation inside the political realm. Yeah. You know, as we know, like as Asian Americans, we're looking around, it's only a handful of us. And if there's a handful of us, it's always the same group of people running for office over and over. 
to the point where he's like, I know you. Is there any other selection? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And generally, they they skew more conservative. So I don't know what people's political affiliations are, but historically, Asians in politics is not known yeah. for being progressive like myself. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really see a brand new like side of progressiveness with you. And I think this also lays the groundwork for for those who are listening to our podcast who are, are interested in politics. Like, how do we increase our representation out in our political realm? Like, what can the everyday person do in order to to be seen and be heard? Because right now we realize that there's a new playing field in the 21st century, right? That's to that's to be loud, that's to be seen, that's to be heard, that's to get our story and history shown. Yeah, you know, like how can we continue building on top of that and creating better representation for the Asian community? Yeah, I think what's interesting is my last name is Win, right? So it's the most popular last name in King County. Yet this is the first time most people have seen it on a ballot, unless they're from my district and they've seen it before my previous runs. So first off, representation, you're right, in itself does matter, right? It can be that fundamental where if you're looking at people in leadership and you don't see yourself, then it's very hard for you to be able to imagine yourself being in that space. So I end up talking to a lot of people, even if they're not necessarily in Washington state about politics, because the representation is so few that they reach out to me because of it. And the other part too, is an incumbent upon people like myself who are in office right now as a Senator to be able to reach out and help cultivate uplift upcoming leaders. So we are very proactive when it comes to either helping people get more connected, giving them opportunities or connecting bridges between two different communities. One of the biggest things that I'll point out is you know, you never know what gives you that spark to get more involved, right? So if you're somebody who wants to get more involved, just start doing it, whether it's a planning commission, whether it's a committee, whether it's a nonprofit, just start doing things. I got involved because there was an issue around homelessness in the area that I wanted to help solve. So I started volunteering in a nonprofit. That's how I first got involved. I never intended to be a senator. I never intended to run for office. So do the little things that you can, and that'll snowball. I mean, I don't, you probably weren't planning on having a tens of thousand network online uh, to support one another, right? And then you just started and it kind of just happened. So you'd be surprised at how powerful you can be just by showing up uh, and doing the work. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that statement. You know, like you just never know what you're fully capable of. And if you continue doing things that essentially doesn't feel like work, like that's when creativity and passion happens. You know, so I, I agree with that a lot. So Joe, like what's what's the next step for you? Like, what is it looking like in the next couple of years? How can we continue to support you? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I will be the first person to say that we are audacious. My campaign is audacious. We were running from day one to be audacious, and it's because we have urgent issues that are pressing our communities right now. And the fact that I'm even running in this race for King County Executive against a 25-year incumbent after being outspent by millions of dollars shows that we're gonna be bold and tackle issues with the sense of urgency that it requires. And the biggest thing is, you know, follow the campaign, contribute, support, phone bank, help us if you're able to. But the main thing is you yourself, folks who are listening right now, is that if you want to get involved, feel free to reach out to me or anybody else, uh, whether it's in your jurisdictions or whatnot as well, because your voice is absolutely necessary. Representation is absolutely necessary. And this is one of the secrets that I'll tell from my time in office over the past few years is that people think that politics is about right or wrong, good or bad, Democrat or Republican. That's actually not the case, right? So in the legislature, we see about three to 4,000 bills in any given year, three or 4,000. Yet we only pass about two to 300, less than 10%. So most of the things that we discuss aren't about good or bad. It's what, what should we prioritize? 
and your voice should be prioritized. Your communities should be prioritized. Um, you should fight to make sure that the issues you care about are happening because I'll guarantee you that doesn't happen all the time. So the biggest thing is, you know, let us know if we can help out in any way, but also like if there are issues that are facing your communities that are being ignored, plug in, get uncomfortable, go to your council meetings, testify, join a nonprofit, do something that you think can help the community. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to, to having our community support, you know, better representation for everything. And I, I think that on the topic of representation, I think what you bring up is it's not, not only applies for politics, but for anything, right? It, if we see leaders that look like us and sound like us, we're more inspired to do that. You know, it's, it's yeah. a, not just a stepping stone for politics, stepping stone for everything, representation in media, corporate ladders, you know, the whole bamboo ceiling. You always get into that deep conversation too. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh man, that's a whole... There's a lot of Asians in like middle management and not enough in senior leadership, right? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a statistic out there. It's like it's really, really low, and that's really yeah. sad. But you know, one one step at a time. We're focused on politics during this podcast, and definitely want to see more representation there. So, Joe. So, one final question. So, for our listeners who are interested in in your journey, like, how can they find out more about you and reach out to you? Yeah. Follow us on social. My website is meetjoewin.com. We're pretty active online as well. My handle is also at meetjoewin. So basically anything at meetjoewin uh, is where you'll find us, but reach out too. Like I love honestly, when people reach out and just say, Hey, I'm XYZ person. This is where I'm, where I'm at. Like, what do you think? I think the biggest thing for me is being able to, to give any wisdom that we may have just from having run for office and stuff like that as well. But Follow us online and then shoot me a note. We're pretty engaged and I'll be happy to, to chat as well. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely include that in show notes. And Joe, thank you so much for sharing your story in the podcast today. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.